Good evening to those in social media. This is Grace and Faith Fellowship. You coming to you our Saturday night message with Saturday night message. It is good to be with you again on this Saturday evening. God has blessed us with a beautiful day. And we're just excited to get into the word with you on this series that God has really put on my heart to speak to those that we've been talking about. Is Jesus worth it? And you know, it is a really topic that God put put on my heart because it. Some of you may be asking that question when we look at all that's out there in the world, and you got all the different religions and things, and you know, it says, well, when we start talking about Christ, is Jesus is Jesus worth it? And my thing was I always my testimony was when I was when I came back to the Lord in my twenties and. Struggling financially, a lot of things weren't going my way, but I felt like I was doing what the word of God told me. That I was trying to be obedient to God and feel like I was doing everything that you know God was requiring us to do. Not saying I was perfect, but you know, just submitting to God and doing the things that He asked us to do. And I saw um people just prospering who weren't even serving God and and I became very discouraged and it was challenging. It's like, okay, is this worth it to keep doing um, the things of God? And it feel like I wasn't getting anywhere, okay? And so maybe you feel like that. And so we're gonna tackle that, um, different areas of that. You know, that was just one of my areas. That's my testimony. Maybe you felt like that and we've spoken to that. But I wanna attack this from a different perspective on tonight, but I want to go to the main scripture that um, this came from, um, which was Psalms 73. And I want to go to that and I'm going to read it from the uh, new, I mean, excuse me, the message Bible. Read it from the message Bible. And we're just going to, I'm going to read that. This is the foundational scripture where um, this series is coming from. And so I want to read just a f- maybe five verses. I'm reading from the Message Bible, and I love the way they put it. And it says, No doubt about it, God is good. Good, good to good people, good to good hearted, to the good hearted. But I nearly missed it, he says, missed seeing his goodness. I was looking the other way, looking up to the people at the top. Emmy the wicked who had made it, who had nothing to worry about, not a care in the whole wide world. And so he he was missing God's goodness. This song was missing God's goodness because he was looking at other people in the world prospering and being successful. And we, you know, God promised us success and prosperity and promise to bless us. And when you're not getting those things, you wonder, well, God, what is going on? Because you begin to be tempted as once again, this is the strategy of the enemy is that he wants to convince us that God is not good by us looking at other people or other things, or we looking at outside circumstances to say, you know what, well, God is not good. Cause look at your situation and look at that, how everybody else is prospering. You're not. And look at how everybody else is being successful in their relationships and, and their finances and their other things in their life and you're not so he begins to convince you that god is not good 
And so this is where you may start asking the question, as I did, well, is Jesus worth it? I mean, really, it's like it's like I'm not getting anywhere. So this is the one of the things that the enemy wants to do. So tonight I want to look at take another angle here. And I want to I want to look at Luke um, chapter five, verses 27 and 28. OK, Luke chapter five, verses 27, 28. And I'm going to be looking at it from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. It says later. As Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi. OK, sitting at the tax collector booth. Follow me and be my disciples, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up. Left everything and followed him now look at that scripture i want levi which another his name is matthew the bible he he was named matthew that's matthew's name well levi's name was called a matthew so we're looking at matthew jesus comes by sees this tax collector said the booth matthew and just speaks to him and says follow me and be my disciple and the bible says that Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Now, I want you to take a look at this. Look at the part where it said he left everything. Now, mind you, to give you a little history of, of tax collector, they were not um, well-liked, okay? Um, his his perfection, profession, excuse me, was equally immoral and lucrative. So many people despise him and his fellow tasculars. So here we see Matthew in a very lucrative profession. Tasculars made a lot of money, but people didn't like him because tax, tax collectors overcharged people and, you know, they could manipulate people with their finances and overcharge people. So his profession was not very well liked. People didn't like him. Okay, people didn't care for him too much. And yet, also, he made a lot of money. Okay, so when we look at this, imagine you be in a situation. Imagine Matthew, you like Matthew says, well, is it worth it to follow you? Because first of all, you say, okay, well, these people don't like me anyway. I'm not well liked by society because of the profession that, I, that I'm in. But you know what? I'm making a lot of money. And some people take the decision, well, I don't really care. As long as I'm making this money, as long as I'm getting this bag, then you know I don't really care. But the Bible says that when Jesus told him to follow him, the Bible says he got up and left, he left everything to follow him. So the question is, he had to decide that Jesus was worth leaving his lucrative profession, make a lot of money to follow Jesus. So it says, he, it's, so many people despise him and follow the times of thus when Jesus invited Matthews, the stakes were high. Following Jesus would mean leaving his lucrative, luxurious home in Capernaum behind and embracing the uncertain lifestyle of a thriving disciple. Basically, what was he saying? He was he was taking the emotion. 
the stakes were really high. He a nice home. Imagine somebody, maybe that's you leaving a nice home. I mean, a nice lifestyle. Maybe, you know, speaking to you and the lifestyle you you're living is really illegal. Or it could be legal, but you may be frowned on by society. Maybe your profession is frowned on by Christians. Because sometimes Christians, we can be hard on people's profession. And we tend to say, well, if you, you're doing this certain thing, you know what, uh, then, you know, you can't be no Christian doing this. You can't be no Christian doing that. You know, oh, I'm not going, you fill in the blank, oh, you know, this certain type of uh, income or this certain type of job, people can't be saved and they're doing this and doing that. And maybe you're in that, or maybe you're in a lifestyle that really does not line up with the word of God, but it's very lucrative and you're making a lot of money. And you say, you know, I'm being prosperous. Are you willing to walk? Is Jesus worth for you to walk away from that and say, you know, and follow me? Look at, he was taking a demotion. He was walking away from certainty to uncertain to a lifestyle of a thriving disciple. You know, not knowing where your income is going to come from, you know, leaving your luxurious home. But once again, his his profession was frowned on, but it was lucrative. But we see here that Jesus was worth it to him because he says here, read again, follow me. Jesus said to him and Levi got up and left everything and followed him. There was something about Jesus, unlike likely his unconditional love for sinners that made Matthew believe that Jesus was worth more than everything he had. So something made uh, Matthew get up and leave everything. And what was it? Now, it, it speaks to her here, his Jesus unconditional love. And we're going to deal with that a little bit. I, I think that we don't deal with that enough. I, I believe that Christians, we need to get a deeper revelation of this love of Christ. As I continue to grow in God, I'm getting more and more of a deeper love for Christ than I had before. And I think we need to focus on. So we're going to deal with the night because I believe that was that's one of the things you if you're going to be convinced that Jesus is worth it, based it all that we face, all that we look at. We see on TV and people being successful and different lifestyles and different things. And we see the money and we see this, the cars and we see the success. And when we says, you know what? And maybe you're in that lifestyle. Maybe you're in a person, a third world country who listened to me that, hey, that Christianity is frowned on. And you're asking yourself, is it worth it to follow Jesus? You know, to leave my other religion, whatever that religion is, to follow Jesus. Or maybe you're in, in the United States and you're in this religion. You said, hey, if I leave this, my religion, that my family, I'll build my family, whatever that religion is, is it worth it? Okay. Because maybe you don't feel love, but we want to speak tonight a few minutes about this love of Christ. When the Bible says this unconditional love, it says here, Jesus has unconditional love for sinners, not only for sinners, but everybody's saints too. He it, maybe I believe this was one of the things 
that caused Matthew to leave. He had made, I believe, you know, he had a revelation of God's love, among other things. But I believe this is the, the focal point to help us ask this question that Jesus is worth it. Because when you begin to look at his unconditional love, and we're going to look at a couple of scriptures. You're going to say, man, you know what? Nobody can love me like this. Because there are times where we try to compare um, things in this world to God's love. And we it's, it's a nice attempt. You know, when when you've been loved by a father with unconditional love, you've been loved by a mother who has unconditional love, when you have a friend, a friendship that has unconditional love, those things are fine. You know, and I'm not saying God can, but those things don't even compare to God's love because maybe you listen to me, you said, you, I never had a father's love. I don't know what that is. I never had my mother love me because they wasn't there. Or my father wasn't there. Or I never been in a friendship that, they love me unconditionally. So you don't even know what that looks like. But I want to share with you a couple of scriptures that really speaks to God's love, unconditional love for us. So I want to look at this scripture, John 3, 16. We know that if you've been in church, you know, at some point in your life, you know, maybe like you, like me, you grew up in Sunday school. This is the main scripture that they made us remember but even now, I think Christians, we still don't have revelation of this verse when you really get in the depths of it. So we can always kind of break this down a little bit and really get into it. So we know what it is. I, you probably can quote it. It says, for God, for this is how God loved the world. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believed in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Very popular scripture. But what does that mean? You know, to my, you said, yeah, yeah, we quote that scripture, but do we really understand the revelation that's in that verse? So let's look at it. So it says, but when did God commend this love towards us? And that's Romans uh, 5 and 8 said it was while we were yet sinners. So I want you to, I want to pause and says, God loved you while you were yet a sinner. Okay. This is why Jesus is worth it. While you was doing your stuff, doing your dirt, me and you doing our dirt, didn't care about God, wasn't thinking about God, we're just doing, living life the way we want to, never even considered him. He That he commanded that love toward, that's unconditional, unearned, undeserved love toward us. Therefore, God's love isn't conditional on our goodness okay he didn't love us because we were lovely but simply because he is love okay so his love is not is not based on your goodness because guess what you can't be good enough for god i don't care what you do in your works you can't he didn't love you because you was loving but simply because he is love and that's what first john four and eight says he is love, the very essence of God. That's who he is. Okay, so this is why he's worth it because he loved you while you wasn't thinking about him. And you may be thinking, well, you know what? I didn't see all that. Yeah, he was right there. Maybe you didn't see it. Maybe you didn't, didn't uh, experience it with all that was going around. But yet he loved you. He, I want to tell somebody he loves you right now. 
you may be questioning, is Jesus worth it? Because all that I'm going through, I didn't, didn't have a good childhood, didn't have a good adulthood. Things are going crazy. People are turning their backs on you, betraying. But God loves you. Okay, unconditionally, no matter what you're doing, no matter how bad it is, he loves you. The focus of this verse is not really on not perishing because we tend to put on the perish. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten that who shall believe should not perish. That's a wonderful thing. But this verse is really not focused on perish. Rather, it is on having eternal life. This is what it's focused on. According to Jesus' own words in John 17 and 3, Every everlasting life is, is knowing God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just knowing him, but knowing him, knowing them in the biblical sense of the word. And, and this speaks of intimacy. Okay. So eternal life, when we the religious definition of eternal life is we're going to go to heaven with God. Now, that's not wrong, but it is, um, what's the word I'm going to use? It's not complete. Okay, it's not complete. It's incomplete, rather. Okay, so yeah, we're going to spend it, go to heaven with God. So everlasting life, that's included in it. But when you look at the uh, definition that Jesus gave of eternal life, when there's everlasting life, it is knowing God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing him intimately. See, this is what we got to do, get to do. We got to get to know God intimately. We got a close connection, not just in a religious way. Well, yeah, we quote that verse. Well, yeah, God so loved the word. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes should not pray. We quote it. Okay. But do you understand? There's so much in that verse. Do you have an intimate relationship with God? Do you know him? Do you know the God that you're serving? Because guess what? If your knowledge of God is off, then your relationship with God is going to be off. Okay? You're not going to know him. You think God is judging you every time you sin, then guess what? You're going to be afraid of him. You are always going to be very fearful. You're going to and then the other opposite of that is that when you think other people are not living up to the stand, you're going to be judgmental. Okay. And so those things are not love because the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. So you're not going to be fearful. And then if you know the love of God in an intimate way, you're not going to judge other people. You're going to pray for them. You're going to tell them that they're wrong, but you're going to pray for them. So that speaks of intimacy, knowing God. Knowing a person who comes to the Lord for forgiveness of sin, but does not go on to experience intimacy with the Lord is missing the true point of salvation. You're missing the true point. Maybe you're a person you say, you know what I'm saying? I've been forgiven for sin. And the problem is a lot of us, that's where we stop. Well, as long as I'm forgiven for my sin, as long as I'm going to heaven, I'm good. But you're missing the whole point of salvation. Salvation is more than just a get out of hell free card. Okay. There's more to it than that. It's more, it is having an intimate relationship with the father and the son, getting to know them, having this relationship with them. You know, you may say, well, how do you do that? Well, 
by having some time. How you become intimate with somebody, whether it's a, a husband-wife relationship, a friendship, you know, something, you get to know that person. You spend time with that person. You you talk to them on a regular basis. You know, you get to know them so that when somebody, somebody would say something bad about them, then you'd be like, no, that's not my friend. That's not the way they are. I know them. So they would never do anything. And I know they love me. I know they would never talk behind my back. You get to know them. So if you're missing out on this intimacy relationship with God, you're missing out. If you just religious, just want not just you got saved so you don't go to hell, you're missing out. It's, it's a wonderful benefit of salvation to avoid hell and all its torments. We're not saying it's not a benefit, but everlasting life begins now in the form of an intimate intimacy with the father and the son. So this is a wonderful benefit to miss hell and its torment. We're not saying, we're not minimizing that, but it goes so much deeper when you get to know God, know his character, you know who he is, know the the depths of his love, okay, to really embrace that. This is what we this is what God wants. This is what he really died for, to have that intimate connection with you. Yes, you can know God. Yes, you can hear him speak to you. Yes, you can know the plans he has for you. He wants to talk to you every day. Well, how does he do that? Well, by number one, the number one way God wants to speak to you is through the word. <clears throat> so if you're not in the word, you can't hear his voice or you're not going to be consistent in hearing his voice because he speaks to us through the word. That is the number one way he speaks to you. That's why he inspired men to write down what he was saying and he what he wants us to know about him. And then the Holy Spirit will give you revelation as you read the scriptures. And then, of course, God gave us a rainbow word. <clears throat> Excuse me. He will speak to you through voice, through, he will speak to you through visions, through dreams, all those things. He speaks to us through our pastors, you know, everybody. He speaks to us. But the number one way he wants to speak to you is through the word. He wants to speak directly to you. And then if you hear what he spoke to you, if you hear from somebody else, then that just confirmation what he said. Don't totally depend on just getting the word from your pastor or from prophets or, you know, people. Yeah, that's wonderful, but God wants to speak directly to you. He wants to talk to you. The sun, the sin was a barrier that blocked our access to God. Without the removal of that barrier, there could be no true fellowship with the Father. Therefore, Jesus did take the sin of the whole world upon himself okay and he has reconciled us to god okay but if we don't go past where the barrier was into intimacy with the father we are missing the true point of salvation in this life okay so he he removed the barrier he removed the barrier. What was the barrier? Sin. So we can have access to God. He removed that barrier so we can have true fellowship with the Father. Thank God. Look at what Jesus did. This is how much he loved us. This is why he's worth them. He removed the barrier so that every man, woman, boy, and girl 
can have access to come to the throne of grace and talk to him and not be fearful that he's going to kill us or he's going to punish us. No, we have free access to God through what Jesus did for us and reconcile every man and woman. Okay. He made it open it up so we can go to the father and this, so we can have intimate relationship with him in this life, not just in the life to come, but in this life. Okay. So you're missing out on something. If you're not having this intimate relationship with God. Now it's going to take some time. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but it's going to take some time to develop relationships. It's like even the natural. It takes time, your time to develop this intimate relationship with the Father and the Son. All right, so let's look at this second verse I have tonight. There's so many verses in the Bible, but I just picked these two that talks about God's love. And let's look at Ephesians. Okay, chapter three, verses 19. I'm reading this from the King James Version. And so it says, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, here, look at this. It talks about the love of God, which passes our human knowledge. So the question is, how can we know the love of God if it passes our knowledge? So that's a good question. So the key to opening this mystery is to understand that there are different kinds of knowledge. Okay, pay attention. I want you to pay attention to this. This is a different kind of knowledge. There is mere intellectual knowledge. And then there is experimental knowledge. Okay. So I think here's the thing about we want to know God intellectually. And then we stop there. Okay, so you can you can have a person who's very intellectual, can explain scriptures and can break it down in the Greek and the Hebrew and all this kind of stuff. And that's fine. That's wonderful. And that's great. We're not knocking that. But do you have experimental knowledge? Have you experienced the love of God? See, this is this is where they say the rubber meets the road. You want to experience that knowledge. There's two different types of knowledge. So. We're talking about knowledge that passes all knowledge. So God's love surpasses intellectual knowledge. Okay. It, it goes beyond that. So if you're trying to understand God just all with your intellect, you're not going to know this love. You're not going to know this love. It goes beyond your intellect. You have to experience this love. Because this love... Okay, cannot be put into words. Cannot be the, the the English dictionary cannot truly define the love of God. It can't. Our, our, our language is too small. It's too small. The Greek word for this type of love is agape love. Which it says, and the definition for that is love. You know, with a purpose that goes that goes beyond your senses. But it's focused on purpose. It goes beyond your say it's not the goosebump feelings, or you know, it's not that it goes beyond that. It goes beyond feeling, it goes beyond your five senses. So Paul, he was saying that if we would experience God love in a in an in a experimental way, it would pass our mere intellectual and cause us to be filled 
with the fullness of God. Notice that experimental knowledge leads to being filled with the fullness of God. So we want to be, if you want the fullness of God, you have to experience this love. You have to have experimental knowledge because it says once you go past your intellectual knowledge and begin to have experimental knowledge, you will be filled with the fullness of God. We can turn around, turn this around and still be acting and say, if we are not full of God's fullness, then we aren't experiencing God's love. So if you're not experiencing the fullness of God, what, what, what am I saying? Let me explain that. If you're not experiencing his love, his peace, his joy, his, um, his happiness, the gentleness, we're talking about the fruit of the spirit. You know, self-control. If you're not experiencing all this thing, if you're not experiencing, you don't have the fullness of God. Okay, then maybe you haven't experienced His love. Okay, you haven't experienced His love you, because this is what experimental life will bring. It will cause you to experience all that God has for you. If you're not experiencing the healing and deliverance and prosperity in every area of your life. Okay, then you're not experiencing <clears throat> the fullness of God. That means you haven't experienced, <clears throat> you didn't have, you don't have experimental knowledge of God's love. People who are truly ex experiencing a genuine love of God is full of all God has to offer because of God's love. You experience, you want to experience all that God has to offer you, not just some. See, like I said, we, we, you know, I grew up, you know, Trey, they talked about the sweet by and by, and, and that's wonderful. We're going to experience that. But we want to experience the here and now. See, because maybe you think that Jesus is not worth it because you say, I'm not, people just telling you about the sweet and by and by that, you know, one day, you know, I'm going to have this and one day, you know, I'm going to have the streets of paved with gold. And that's all that's true. And you're going to be in God's presence and you're not going to lack anything, this and that. All that's true, but you can experience that now. God wants us to experience that now, right now, in this life. So I want, I challenge you tonight, you know, if you're asking the question, is Jesus worth it? My question to you is, have you experienced the love of God? Do you have experimental knowledge of God? which will in turn give you the fullness of God. Have you experienced that? I want you to know you can experience that. I want you to go beyond your head knowledge and begin to experience God in an intimate way where he just blows your mind. I'm telling God, and he's continuing to blow my mind. And this is not a one time. Let me say that this is not a one time thing. This is not something that you may experience tomorrow and say, okay, I got it. No, it's you, I am continually, and I and I, you will too, as you have this interrelation with God, you will continually grow in this experimental knowledge of the love of God as you continue to build this relationship with him. So, hey, and you won't be asking the question. That is Jesus worth it, even though we propose that, but you're beginning, you tell people that, hey, 
God, Jesus is worth it because, man, I've experienced his love. I've seen his love in my life. And, man, nothing can compare to the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody. We used to sing a song coming up. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. I mean, we used to sing that song. That was like a, what do you call it, a, a devotional song, praise and worship song. Can't nobody do me like Jesus because he's worth it. He's worth everything. And I'm, I grew another song that says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Man, I, those songs, they're powerful because Jesus lives, because he's worth it. Jesus, no matter what I'm experiencing in my life, no matter what you experience in your life, He's worth it because just because, and this is like this one thing, but I believe this is the main thing because the Bible says the greatest out of all the things is love. First um, Corinthians chapter 13. This is the main thing you got to get a revelation of. And if you're asking yourself, is Jesus worth it? Then you need to pray and ask God, let me experience your love. I want that experimental now. I just don't want head now. I just don't want intellectual now. I want to experience your love. And as you begin to seek him in the scriptures and begin to pray and begin to spend time with him, I guarantee he will not disappoint you. You begin to experience this love that God has for you and for me. So, so Jesus is worth it. Following him might cost you money, time, energy, comfort, popularity, acceptance, pleasure, and, and countless other things that we all prefer. But walking through life with only one, with the only one who can forgive you, okay, and forgive your sins. Provide a remedy for death and offer you a place in the presence of God is so worth it. He is so worth it. So no matter what your everything is, no matter what your everything includes, leave it behind just like Matthew did because Jesus is worth it. He left, the Bible said he left everything. He said, I want to go back and deal with this. So, so because sometimes we think, Come to Jesus, everything is going to be PG cream. No, it's going to cost you some things. It's going to cost you some money. We, when we look at Matthew's life, he left a lucrative job for Jesus. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you time. That's why I said, if you want to experience this love of God, it's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some energy. It's going to cost you some comfort. You're going to be uncomfortable. It's, sometimes we want things to always be convenient for us. But serving God doesn't make when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's not everything going to be convenient. Why? Because you got a devil that's coming out of you. He's going to fight you tooth and nail. He's going to try to throw, he's going to throw stomach blocks in your way, try to get you off course. You know, he's going to do all these things to try to convince you that Jesus isn't worth it. It's going to cost you popularity. This is, it costs Matthew pop, popularity. Now, once he switched over, his, I'm pretty sure his tax collector friend didn't like him. That group didn't like him. They said, well, you used to be one of us. 
now you over there serving this Jesus who claimed to be the Messiah, but well, we don't want no more to do with you. He, he, I'm pretty sure he had friends that didn't want to associate with him anymore. Maybe you're in a situation. It costs acceptance, popular acceptance, pleasures. See, when it comes to Jesus, you have to let some things go. I'm speaking to you. You have to let that lifestyle go. Peter had to let, excuse me, Matthew had to let that lifestyle go in order to serve Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. But he came to a conclusion that it was worth it. And other things. But Jesus, he look what he did. He forgives our sins. He gave us a remedy for death. You don't have to die. You, we, we, as Christians, we're living to live again. Okay? We're living to live again. We know we got to leave this earth. But guess what? We're coming back here to live. In the meantime, those who have died in Christ are in the presence of God right now. Okay? But you're living to live again. But most of the important, we're going to be in his presence. We're going to be in his presence, man. That's I can't even wrap my brain around to be in the presence of the Savior that purchased my sins so that I can be in his presence and live with him forever. So once again, whatever your everything includes, whatever that is, I pray that you would just drop it just like Matthew did and follow Jesus. Why? Because he is worth it. Let me pray for you. Father God. In the name of Jesus, I pray, I thank you for this word that has went out and went forth and shall not return void. I thank you for every ear that should hear this word. I thank you, God, that you are worth it because of your love, your unconditional love that we cannot earn, love that we don't deserve. But God, you gave it to us anyway through your son. Jesus Christ. And I pray, God, right now, those who are listening will experience that love, not just head knowledge, but experience that. I pray that you are touching them right now. I pray that revelation is flowing right now, God. I pray that, God, that you are healing um, that hurt right now in that person's life that they're lacking because, God, they've been hurt by people. They've been hurt by the church. They've been hurt, you know, through a marriage. They've been hurt, you know, through a, a friend that betrayed them. You know, a, a loved one, a family member that betrayed them. And I thank you, God, that your unconditional love is healing them right now in the name of Jesus. That, that, that knowledge of your love that surpasses all knowledge. God, I thank you for them and experiencing that right now, touching them in a way that they have never touched before, God, as they as they get into your scripture, get into your word. God, I pray that, that you would give them a desire to go back to, to a ministry that will speak and on the love of God, and they will experience that love. Can God give them revelation of your love? And we forever give your name to praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening on tonight. I pray that, that this message has been a blessing to you. And we're going to come back again next week and continue on. Is Jesus worth it? I'm going to give you the answer. The answer is yes. But we're going to continue just to open up scriptures as God speaks to me. 
and I speak to you as the Holy Spirit minister to you. And we're just going to continue to break this down and let you know that Jesus is worth it. Even in a town where the world uh, seems like they forgot about him and he's not recognized and he tends to be, um, as I said, want to cancel or just put Jesus to the side. But we know that he is real and that he is worth it. All you got to do is just experience this supernatural, eternal love of God. Once again, we'll see you again on next week. Um, may God bless you and bye-bye.